grooming starts at Halloween, even though you aren't going to be in a cat for two months. Hey now, Mountain Crew. Welcome back to the Mountain Podcast. It feels particularly good to be putting this episode together now because it has been hot summer 2021. The Northwest breaking records, getting hotter than Miami, getting hotter than Dallas. Oh my gosh. And uh, this last heat wave coming through here in Oregon, at least, has had that added forest fire smoke with it. So I think anything I can do to get my brain tricked into thinking there's some snow on the ground is good. And today, there's a lot of that as we talk with a whole bunch of grooming machine operators and team leaders. Snowcats, you're on the mountain. Providing insider intel on how ski areas happen. Created by and for ski area employees in the Northwest. A few things are making me really excited about this episode today. The first being, I'm breathing forest fire smoke outside right now. And just to get my head tricked into thinking that I'm breathing some crisp winter air. Oh, that's great. That's great stuff right there. Aside from that. It's working, everybody. The podcast is working. If you go back to episode one, episode two, uh, and even sprinkled through really all the episodes, when I really call out that this podcast is for ski area employees in the Northwest and ski area employees can contribute, they can be part of it, we can brainstorm, we can figure out uh, what that means. And two, two snowcat operators and industry leaders have come together and done that on this episode, and really more than just those two. But we have some co-hosts today, and we have a long audio file. I actually feel bad. I've been sitting on this audio file a little bit because it was recorded back at the end of the season, uh, well, the end of the Northwest season, so end of May. But, you know, that's what happens when you add a baby to your family. Editing uh, takes a back seat. This is probably the longest episode, definitely is the longest episode that the mountain has seen so far. And I'm not really going to edit this file too much because it's so good. If you want to get in on this action, email podcast at pnsaa.org or text 877-533-5520. So here's what's going on. We had a slope maintenance roundtable. Grooming operators, the Alpine side, the Terrain Park side, the leaders of those departments. We put a shout out to all of them and said, hey, how was your season? Let's have a roundtable. That was a crazy COVID season you just went through. Let's talk about it, but not just talk about COVID, right? So the shout out went out there and two guys took me up on it. 
Connor Lyons up at Crystal Mountain Resort in Washington and Parker Bohan at Mount Bachelor. Now you might know the name of Parker Bohan. He's been around the industry. He's worked at several resorts in the US. He's been down to Australia. He's headed up some terrain park departments. And you might know his voice from his own podcast, The Blade Dive, The Blade Dive podcast with Parker Bohan. It is so good. I highly recommend it. This guy has access, has knowledge, has a network, has the skills, uh, and has been in the industry for a while now. And he just gets on the line and gets deep with grooming operators, with snowcat operators uh, of all walks. It's so good. I really recommend that podcast. Check it out. The Blade Dive. Definitely, if you're in your snowcat, put it on and Parker will tell you to turn up the volume. Yeah, check out the Blade Dive. So Connor and Parker co-hosted this roundtable with all these uh, grooming leaders. And actually, more of them showed up in the Zoom room from mountains outside of the Northwest region than did inside the the Northwest. There's people on here from Diamond Peak, Showdown, Squaw, Park City, Stevens Pass, Bridger Bowl, Big Bear, Alieska, and even all the way east over to Cascade Mountain in Wisconsin. Such a cool crew talking about lots of things. I do got to warn you, sometimes, you know, these snowcat guys can be a little salty. I think this episode has that little explicit E chimed in there. Definitely, that is a thing. Uh, And like I said, it's a long audio file. There's some real stuff in here. It's going to have the Zoom room glitches. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time going in and cleaning it up because it was real world and that's where we all live. So here it is, Connor Lyons and Parker Bohan and a whole bunch of other grooming operators and leaders talking about the crazy COVID winter that was and the great winters that are yet to come. I'll see you on the other side. Cool. Right on. Well, uh, how do you want to start, Parker? I think we just kick it off. Yeah, I just want to say thanks again to Jordan for the opportunity. Um, and yeah, again, I always feel like we're playing Hollywood Squares when we're in the Zoom room. So um, even though it's a list of names, some of the names I'm super familiar with, so um, others I'm not. Either way, honored to have you all on this. And I think, um, you know, when preparing for something like this, uh, showing up with an intention of walking away with something was super important to me. So I think the context of what we would like to discuss centers around some of the obvious topics, which, you know, primarily is what we all just battled with COVID. Um, Some of the other things are obviously highlights, but um, I really want to make an attempt to tackle just a little bit of everything. Um, Grooming to both terrain parks and Alpine, um, snowmaking, snow removal, vehicle maintenance shops. Um, I think it's important to kind of hit a number of things, but um, you know, Connor, I kind of want to start, maybe this is a bit of a buzzword these days, but um, COVID keepers, um, we just mentioned podcasts, but um, if you listened to Sam's latest and greatest that they just produced, um, huge shout out to Olivia Rowan. There was a, a big earmark there that was dedicated to COVID keepers and really centering around the processes and things that resorts implemented that were maybe surprising uh, or surprisingly successful that you would want to keep in place um, post this COVID 
COVID era that we're walking out of. Um, but really wanted to start there. What do you think, Connor? Cool. Yeah. Um, I know like here at Crystal, like as far as from the grooming perspective, uh, it made it a whole lot easier just for us to never have to ask for any, uh, you know, budget for Clorox wipes or anything ever again, you know, like now, now we're in the clear there and everything and really just kind of paying attention to keeping the cats cleaner, you know, which we've always done, but you know, it's nice to just focus and spend a little more time actually doing that kind of stuff. And we found ourselves, you know, like at the start and ends of shifts, take a little more time doing that kind of stuff, grooming. And then, yeah, all sorts of operational stuff all around the hill that we kind of had to work around and stuff. And like, you know, we've got new expanded bathrooms that we're keeping here and stuff like that. So those were a few things that we had here at Crystal. For sure. I might pick on some of you, picking on you in a good way. Um, I see Jay Ridd down there. What do you think, Jay? Do you guys have any awesome COVID keepers? Same thing like Connor was just saying. And, uh, you know, it's been beneficial. I think the guys all really appreciate the fact of how easy it was to get cleaning supplies and all that. And that, that was a big thing that I worked on really hard with our, our safety team and, and everything was just to make sure that that was readily available and everybody was tripping over the stuff everywhere they went. Yep. I might, I might spin off of that and ask kind of a communications question. Did you have anything Jay that was just because of maybe the, in some instances, the loss of in-person communication, um, maybe you were refining what your message was to the team via email, whatever that non-in-face or non-personal face-to-face communication was any communication breakthroughs that made things more efficient. Yeah. Well, uh, um, Matt and Tim have a really good, they, they use Microsoft SharePoint for communications mm-hmm. and uh, they've been used, they implemented it about three years ago and it works, been working really well. Everyone's been on board with it, but um, the little bit of struggle they've had getting everyone to fully embrace it. Um, they got a nice push because of COVID to have everybody want to be a part of utilizing that tool until it, it all came together and something that they had implemented in the years past. And, and since it was already in place, it just got really streamlined and it worked really well and things always fall through the cracks and stuff, but uh, it definitely got everybody communicating digitally and, and to be able to have that uh, here's the ask here's the reply and to be able to document all that stuff and be able to see, Oh, well, how come you didn't bring the cage over here? Well, you never asked for it, you know, cause it would be on SharePoint if you did, you know, and, and he, that's a big thing. Uh, one of Matt's big things is he goes around during the day and speaks to the other managers and stuff. And when they, when they do ask him to do certain things or have the crew do stuff at night, he, he, he follows it up the conversation with, please put it on SharePoint because I'll forget. And, and so it was really cool to have that tool in place this year and it worked out really well. Oh, wow. I might, I might spin that off you again and say, were you finding it, were you finding other people, um, giving positive feedback with respect to just that accountability? Then being able to say, Hey, listen, I mean, this is a great way we can communicate and you putting it on. This is super important. Um, it may not get done otherwise. Yeah, no, for sure. Everybody, 
everybody definitely recognized that as soon as they embrace it, they recognize that it, it gives them a, something good to follow through with as well and say like, look, I did ask for this and I'm following your protocols is how to ask properly and, and, and giving you enough time to get things done and, and stuff. So it's definitely appreciated on both ends for both for the, the crew guys out there doing it at night and, and whether it's the lift department staff or food and beverage team or, or whatever that needs to communicate or just the, the day crew park staff, it, it, it's appreciated on both ends from all parties involved. It's pretty cool. Um, what about, what about policies? Like as you, as you pivoted, adjusted, however we want to term it, I think the word pivots pretty played out by now. Um, but however we want to term it, were, were policies initially a headache? Um, and then from an operations standpoint of view, and anybody can chime in here. Um, I don't want to pick on Jay the whole time, but, uh, were you ever, or was anybody ever experiencing just initial pushback and then refining the policies pieces as you move forward to interact with the guest? If you were there operationally, um, I'd be really intrigued to know that for, too. For us, not really. Um, because we're, we're fortunate at, at Diamond Peak, we we open later than most of the other resorts in Tahoe. So we get to watch everybody else open. Um, myself, my ski patrol director worked really hard. She's our safety coordinator as well. And so we worked really hard to be, you know, in line with what the other resorts were doing. Um, our general manager is, is a board member on ski California and everything. And, and so having, having all of our, eggs in all those baskets at once and just trying to consolidate all the information together so that we were ready to have stuff that worked for our staff. And we, we empowered the managers to come up with their own plans for their own teams and then um, incorporated all, all that together. That way they had some buy-in to, to what was being done and how things were handled. And, and again, we're, we're a small ski area and we have nice equipment and we're very fortunate for a lot of things. And, and so things are, can be predictable for us. And so we just tried to empower everybody um, in leadership roles to have, to tell us what they needed and make sure that they understood that we wanted to give them what they said they needed. Yeah. Are you seeing any of those implementations that your managers put in place, stay around or that they're excited about keeping, or is everything just, Hey, let's get that out of here and go back to the way things were. Uh, there, there's definitely some stuff that that's going to stick around and, and not one thing in particular, but um, you know, I think we, we can all, say that that's the case right you know it, it, if there's one thing that covid gave all of us it, it's some more predictability in a very unpredictable mm -hmm. environment that we all operate in right and that's something the ski industry as a whole has been begging for forever you kind of yep. know how many people are going to come each day you kind of know what your staff is in for you kind of have a little more procedures on how things get cleaned and and all that stuff so the predictability piece, I think, is something on on most levels, most of the employees and and, and customers even appreciate. And so, I think it will stick around in, in that way for a lot of lot of reasons. Yeah, that's a huge takeaway. 
Uh, Connor, what about, um, scheduling, you know, obviously whether you're sick or you're not, and you're having to go through whatever policies, procedures, processes are in place so that you can show up for work. Um, let's hit the morale component for a second. I'd like to talk about that. How are you keeping the staff motivated? Yeah. I mean, so as far as the COVID component of that this year, we got really lucky in that we maybe only had two people get sick all year, you know, and here at Crystal, we also have a lot of our guys that live on mountain in a dorm setting, you know, and uh, if, if one of them got COVID and then suddenly half the crew had COVID we're screwed. So, I mean, that kind of maybe in a way kind of brought up morale even a little bit, you know, just cause people was mm. like, you know, trying real hard to like actually clean their cat every shift, you know, and like actually do all this stuff. So I think it kind of brought people together as a team a little bit more. Um, there were, there's also challenges and just like people being grumpy when, you know, like when they do go out and ride and their time off and stuff, you know, and like encountering grumpy guests and things like that. But um, overall, I feel like, if anything, we kind of had more of a strong team mentality. Also, it was a little bit, you know, I don't want to say a scapegoat, but like whenever things were tough, we could be like, ah, like this wasn't a normal year. Like, so we're all just going to suck it up and, you know, get her done. So I, th- I think we did pretty well this year in that regard. Nice. So really no negative feedback there with respect to having to, you know, do your part to show up for work. Yeah. I was pretty impressed with most of these guys this year. You know, there was a few moments, but like nothing out of the ordinary, I'd say, you know. Very cool. Yeah. We, um, my experience this season, we just had a digital check-in system that I really appreciated. Um, and it was a nice way to be held accountable too. So talking about accountability again. Um, yeah, I'd like to hear maybe who else can weigh in on just kind of that showing up for work and morale piece, keeping your staff there, whether you had a process that you put them through to show up for a wellness check, uh, takeaways for something like that. Any takers, any takers. I'll, I'll jump in. I'm uh, Mark, Senior Director of uh, Big Bear Mountain Resorts down south. Hey, Mark. Um, uh, yeah, I haven't met a lot of you, but uh, I got an invite, so I thought I'd jump in here. Um, you know, it, it was kind of interesting. Uh, we we had the we had the luxury of being able to operate in the summertime uh, with the golf course, just as a preempt to get rehearsed to practice. Um, and and policies were coming out, being made, being changed, being. You know, it's very difficult to to you know hold people accountable when things were changing so quick, especially right before we went into winter operations. Uh, I think I think we did overall with the impact that we had uh, down south here with both customers and lack of employees, and and uh, it, it was no doubt a challenge for us. Did people have a pretty good attitude? our employees. Yeah, I think overall they had a pretty good attitude. Everybody pretty much knew 
<laughs> that we were all on the on the same boat. There was the enemy was just COVID, right? It wasn't it wasn't yeah. against other ski resorts or or different customer bases or anything like that. So so that helped bring us all together. Uh, we we tried to do uh, uh, you know the well checks before they came to work but at the same point we were being careful to make sure that we were in a legal stance and because there's always that side of it uh out of the whole winter the majority of our cases did not come from our customers it came from families bringing it in which immediately we had a policy that uh, any kind of symptoms you stayed home it was pretty simple and uh, of course, we we funded that. You know, the state did also, but we continued it. And we encouraged it, and uh, uh, sure, you get some people that take advantage of it, uh, but most of them it it worked well because we we did not have any spread in the resort until actually the last week, and it was in ski school. It was the last stink in two days. Um, but throughout the whole season, we, we didn't spread. We, we had policies of pods. We tried to keep people separated, just like uh, Connor was talking about. You know, if, if one person got it, would it shut down that whole department? Well, you got to be careful. So we kept pods and kept people a little bit more isolated just in case, uh, for an example, lift maintenance. You know, we have two resorts down here. We kept the two resorts separated just in case so it didn't interconnect. And it's good and bad. People, you know, they love to be able to, you know, shake hands and be able to give somebody a hug. And, you know, it's like what's going on right now with the digital screen. And it's uh, uh, good communication sharing, but at the same point, it's still not, it's not real personal, you know, so. Mm. But, but yeah, I think we're going to grow from it. I think we're going to take things away and I think we'll get better from it. Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, the Zoom fatigue, and Jordan and I were talking, the Zoom fatigue is real. Um, the game of Hollywood Squares is getting old <laughs> very quick. And uh, yeah, I think that's definitely a, a topic as well, that employee burnout, um, where you've got so much that's happening, but the process is different. The communication is different. You're doing it digital. You're not in person. It's easier to do things in person. Um, and adapting to that change can be exhausting. So um, yeah, that's why I asked the morale piece is definitely something that I think is an interesting takeaway from the ski season as well, where we've all endured this and everybody's processes might be similar in some way, shape or form. But overall, um, I think building the team back up is, is a challenge as well too, after enduring something like that, for sure. No, yeah. thanks, Mark. Um, moving right along, I, I really... Um, I don't know, Connor, I kind of want to talk about the shop and the shop challenges um, for some of those yeah. that might have been some areas that might have been easier. I know that it's not necessarily a one size fits all thing. Um, other places, it might have been more difficult, but uh, I just throw an example out there. I know that it's kind of an inconvenience, but it's all about safety, right? So um, our hiccup was 
basically the space that the mechanic was in, we had to make sure that we were approaching the individual and letting them know that we were approaching their space, but they, then they would have to put their mask back up and um, just little things like that, that you weren't used to. Cause the shop is typically a vibe of, you know, Hey man, what's going on. I'm going to check in with you. I'm going to check in on my machine. I'm going to see what's happening here. I'm going to look at the board, um, see what's up, what's running. I'm going to do the rounds and check in with everybody. Uh, I've always loved hanging around the shop just because there's a really good relationship piece that can be built with so many different people that do everything from small engine repair, vehicle repairs, snow cat repairs, snow making repairs. Um, anybody got any shop awesome takeaways they had for the season or maybe some struggles uh, that they dealt with that they want to share? Yeah. Let's see. We definitely had some of the, the same struggles and just like, you can't just waltz right in and be like, uh, how's it going, buddy? And, you know, and do your regular shop bullshit and that you would do on a day-to-day basis, which, you know, when you, when you don't have that suddenly you realize like how much you kind of miss out on, like, you know, just knowing what's going on with every single machine is a little bit more challenging. You got to be a little bit more deliberate and like, all right, let's sit down and go through this and maybe, you know, set up some kind of meeting or something like that. But um, I think as the year moved on, we kind of figured out how to do most of that. Um, most of our struggles this year was just, uh, just regular, regular old breaking stuff. We broke a lot of stuff this year. For some reason, we, it seemed like we had a, a rough go at, uh, Terran track belts and uh, D tracks had way more of those than uh, I would have liked. Yeah, that happens, man. Yeah. Um, I guess I could pick on somebody else here in the game of Hollywood squares. I'll be nice. The intention is good here. How about uh, Brian Callahan? Your mic on? You got any, got any awesome shop takeaways or things you want to discuss that maybe were horrendous? Yeah. You, you got me now? I got you now. Right on. Yeah. Thanks for reaching out. Um, actually we, Tyrone and I are, are here. Tyrone coins here. Uh, we were just talking about that. We had a fantastic year this year. We, you know, we didn't have a single machine left on the Hill. Um, we were able to get all the machines back, but that, that had a, a good nice. part of just having a, a great relationship with our shop guys. You know what I mean? The, the one mm-hmm. thing was, is like, if we blew a hose, we went in the shop and grabbed that hose and, and fixed it and got the cap back up and running. You know, we spent that extra time on the Hill to help out. So then when the shop guys came up, they could concentrate on the, on the cats that had real problems. So, um, that's the main thing that we, we kind of strive on is, you know, we, we want to help those mechanics out. If we can fix it on the Hill, we fix it, get it back up and running with their approval, of course, you know? Um, so that was the biggest relationship builder that, that we had going on. Nice. Awesome. So you were deploying knowledge that you had on your own just to be able to make that skill set work for your team and saying, Hey, we can help the shop guys out here by doing it so they can focus on the real problems might be a winch that needs repairing that we really need that maybe is got a wonky cable wrapped around the drum. Um, whatever is an issue that we can't fix right now. That's cool, Brian. Yeah. I mean, that was a prime example, right? Like it's a good relation builds that builds a shop back up. They're like, Hey man, thanks for getting that cat back down. And you know, that, that it helps us so much that the cat's in the shop right now that we can actually diagnose this thing instead of, you know, trying to get up on the Hill in the middle of the day. You know I mean? We, 
we had a bad rap one time and you know, it was me, Tyrone and Corley Howard up there. And we're just like scratching our head. Like, well, we need to get this fixed. Let's figure it out. So we got the bad rap fixed instead of let's just leaving the cat all roped up and having a big old rat's nest. We, we figured it out. Right. We just, we came together as, as a, as a group and we're like, let's figure this out. And so that's kind of what we try to emulate to, to the crew and to what we're trying to learn here. So yeah, it's, and it helps, you know, the, the shop guys thank us every time, you know, there's, there, you know, we've, it, it builds relationships and that's, that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. Was there ever an opportunity there that you took to create a training piece? Um, whether it was the employee that didn't know how to change the hose or, you know, whatever the repair needed to be that was simplistic enough for you to tackle. Yeah, exactly. I mean, basically, you know, the senior guys, um, you know, myself and Tyrone and we had Andrew Erath here and Corley Howard, we had a bunch of senior guys kind of popping in and out of this, this program, which was great. But Tyrone and I are, are, constantly training these guys you know they their cat would go down they call us on the radio be like hey my cat's down and you're like okay you know what's wrong with it and they're like i blew a hose or like and so we'd show up be like okay well let's fix this hose and they're like oh we can fix this hose and we're like okay yeah and so we'd show them like the process of like yeah. yeah you know where's your tools at And they're like i don't have any tools i'm like well looks like you're walking home tonight you know it's like so i'd pull out my tools i'm like here's the tools you should have you know, why are you wearing tennis shoes right now? <laughs> you know, like what if you have to walk back to the shop and you got Nikes on, you know what I mean? Like some, some of the, like the rookies kind of learned real quick, you know, show up to work with your tools, show up to work with your backpack, show up to work with boots. You know what I mean? Like, so it's that, that was a kind of a crash course with, uh, with the green operators, you know, training them up. But, um, exactly. Tyrone was saying, just saying to me, like, sometimes you got in the getting that, that failure situation, you know, like fail forward situation. So, um, absolutely big training opportunity, teaching these kids what these machines are, you know, I mean, these machines are, are, you know, making sure you get a paycheck. So if, if you're not taking care of your machine, you're not getting a paycheck. Yeah. I like that. Maybe we term it crash course. Anybody else have a crash course training procedure that they implemented this year? Takeaways, COVID keepers. <laughs> I, um, I definitely want to hit Mark. If you're, if your mic's still on, I want to talk about, um, snowmaking. You mentioned you're down there at, at bear and with the two different resorts. Um, what were some things from snowmaking that you implemented that were new this year because of the constraints that you saw were positive takeaways? That were positive takeaways um, that, that were positive in the success of getting through COVID, I guess if that's how you're looking at it, is uh, goes back to the pod yeah, uh, is, is keeping this is the day crew separated from the night crew because you can only imagine uh, how close uh, these guys work together. Um, the the, the positive takeaway was we were able to operate. We were able to make snow. We actually are uh, snowmaking hours uh, um, normal in the last few years have been 600 hours. Uh, actually went up to 800 hours because of our climate uh, uh, for this last season. Um, the, the positive part, they, Again, it's the team working together. I agree that uh, it 
even though you're digitally separated uh, by departments, uh, you, you almost kept together as, as groups. I mean, you, you, there was no other way you had to. It was really up to the individuals to uh, protect themselves, um, you know, from the manager down to the supervisors to, to really do the best thing. Uh, I think we became more familiar with family life because that was part that interacted with how COVID could potentially come into our group because it could be coming from family members that, um, uh, from children, from, from wives or husbands. So, so we almost became almost a little per more personal in the sense because we wanted to make sure that we could help each other out. So I guess that that would be the positive spin. That's cool. Was there anything heavy or negative at all? I mean, other than dealing with COVID that you had to battle through, whether it was the snowmaking piece, the grooming piece for you guys down there in Southern California? Well, you know, at one point we were listed as like one of the, what is it? The vacation rentals by owners, the VR, mm. whatever they are. We were listed as one of the top in the nation, I think, you know, wow. I, I don't know if I can believe all this, but, 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 I can believe it because you got to keep in mind we have we have all the LA base, San Diego, Orange County, all around us, and they all needed out. So they all came up. All the owners of these properties started uh, doing short-time rentals, which made it very difficult for employment for, to, to mm. find housing because we don't have we don't have housing here like some of these other you know some of you have uh, employee housing and we do not. So, so that made it extremely difficult on all departments because we were, we ran very lean and shorthanded. So it was, it was a lot of hard work for, for everybody, but the people that were working were kind of a, how can I say it politically correct? And that is a, a more committed, dedicated group. Uh, up and beyond just throwing people at it. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does. I think that's maybe a good way of looking forward. Is that how you're attacking the future? Just a more of a cohesive, uh, bought-in group of people? We, yeah, we're, we're always trying to improve that. We're always trying to get smart on trying to decrease uh, tasks uh, that are, have to be done by hands, uh, you know, direct to lifts, whether it's snowmaking for, for automation, uh, us down south, we we still think that the best way is to hold your hand out and take a look at that snowflake hitting your arm. Um, you know the the weather stations on, on fan guns and air waters are still a it's a science, as you know. Inversion layers uh, it can change so fast and can really ruin your slope. And before you know it, you know I. I pick on Connor. I know that he done the grooming world up there and they're out there fixing it because, uh, because snowmaking made it an ice an ice slick. So, so yeah, it's, it's a challenge. Uh, I think the biggest challenge for us right now, looking forward is these vacation rentals, uh, taking away employee housing. So we're playing with that. We're trying to come up with ways. We're looking at camps. We're looking at other uh, properties that we can start getting into that business, uh, which is a good thing to help our employees. 
Super cool. Yeah. Connor, what do you have to say about that? Snowmaking up there is a little different than snowmaking in Southern California. Ooh, yeah. Um, I mean, we're, we're definitely probably, um, as warm or maybe even warmer than big bear. So like we are, our opportunities are, um, pretty, they're not totally few and far between, but like, it's kind of erratic compared to when I've worked in Colorado or even in Tahoe is colder than here, you know? So we kind of have similar struggles that way and just having to react quickly and everything. Um, but I want to go back to what he was saying about, um, housing and everything. And now that I'm thinking about it, that was actually something where, because we are lucky enough to have some employee housing, you know, with COVID this year, we went from, you know, having a dorm where some, some dorm rooms were like stuffed with like four lifties in them. But then we had to go down to, you know, just single occupancy. And that actually made it really nice for all of my guys because they were all guaranteed their own room when before it was kind of like, Oh, I might have to share a room with someone really hard to get, you know, a responsible adult to come sign up for a job when they're going to have to share a room within, you know, an 18 year old kid or something, you know? So that made it a little bit easier actually for us um, as far as like, finding guys that were willing to come do it. And even just like for some returning guys, you know, it's kind of a deal breaker that, that housing situation. So we, we, we got kind of lucky there too. Yeah. It's, I think it's always fascinating, fascinating, just the logistics and the different facets that touch the operations pieces that allow them to keep spinning and moving forward. There's so many behind the scenes things, which is why I like talking about them. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah. You bring up an interesting point. I mean, housing is definitely an issue. Mark mentioned it as well. Um, I don't think it's something that we don't have, we don't have to talk about the whole time. Um, but I, I would be interested to know too, just snowmaking, um, your, your staffing, your scheduling, how you were kind of pivoting on that to keep, maybe let's jump back to the motivation piece. Yeah. I mean, were you having people, were you having people stay in the machine or were you waiting to bring people on or were you putting them on snowmaking early or how are you, how are you keeping morale up that way? Well, um, our snowmaking crew, uh, is essentially me and one other dude, uh, Sweet. because so that was, easy. yeah, like our system is, <laughs> Uh, pretty well automated. You know, it's just 40 Super Pumas that are all full auto. Pumps come on, click of the button, and when everything's working, it's super easy. Um, so that's that's fairly nice, but we definitely still have our struggles just because uh, when, you know, once we do have a little more snow out there, then that other snowmaker and myself we got to get grooming, you know, so it, it's hard to make time for one and the other. And like, ah, uh, like I got to go move this gun and I got to groom these trails. So we, we really mix it, mix the two of them together a lot, you know, so we're, we're running around kind of all over the place while we're making snow. Um, I think what we learned this year is that, you know, for our operation, which is, sort of unique and smaller we really need to set ourselves either a date or a certain amount of gallons or something where we can 
call it and be like, we're done making snow because I think this year we kind of were like, Oh, well, let's see if we can try to make snow again, see if we can try to make snow again. And then it, it makes it really challenging for, you know, figuring out when those guys who are making snow are going to go and groom instead, you know, when, when do I need them grooming? When do I need them making snow? What are our priorities and everything? Now, here's one. Did you ever find yourself kind of, um, dropping product so that you could be more efficient? How do you mean? What do you mean dropping product? Were you removing acreage so that you could be more efficient as a smaller team? Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, just like, you know, this year as a whole, we had one less operator than we normally do. And so like that definitely showed up, um, as far as like, you know, there were trails that maybe only got groomed a a handful of times this year when normally that would be, you know, every weekend or three, four times a week or something like that, you know? So we definitely had some of that and some of those same sacrifices on nights where we had to make snow or something, you know, we're like, do we want the snow or do we want to winch this new trail that we haven't put in yet this year? Yeah. I feel like that was probably a battle. Um, you know, you're trying to be effective and compliant and if reducing the amount of product you have on Hill, that's uh, a thing that a guest can participate in. So your team can operate efficiently. That may be an easy decision. It might be a hard decision depending on which resort you're at. Had to ask, um, man, we've covered California a little bit. We've definitely covered the, uh, Pacific Northwest. Who do we have from, uh, park city? Uh, Donald is Donald from Donald. You're from park city. Um, I'd be curious to know if, if you're willing to contribute, just, you know, the experience there takeaways, um, COVID keepers, you guys implemented or found from just this season. So I'm the fleet maintenance manager. I don't get too involved in snowmaking or grooming. Um, I do know both those teams were a little smaller this year, um, than normal. Um, my team is all full-time year round. Uh, so I'm not really affected much by season changes. Um, we did have a pretty good year here. Fantastic. What about if fleet maintenance manager, the shop down there? Uh, what were some of the takeaways you had from your team in the shop and what you'll be moving forward with, or maybe nothing changed at all? No, COVID related, there wasn't any huge changes. Um, I would say the biggest impact we had was on our snowpack this year. Mm. Um, You know, trails got opened later than they normally would. Um, We were seeing a little bit more track damage, you know, driving over exposed rocks and stumps, whatever. Um, We didn't really have, you know, direct impacts to my team. I think one person got sick and they were out for two weeks. Other than that, I have 12 people and I only lost one person for two weeks. There wasn't nice. We had other restrictions, but guys didn't change. So as far as overall impacts, there weren't that many. You know, the grooming manager would probably be telling a different story. You know, his team was definitely smaller. Um, I think we normally groom somewhere in the 140 trails a night. This year, we were doing around 105, I think. 
trying to remember off the top of my head from the emails that go out all winter. So we definitely cool. had a smaller footprint. Um, like I said, I don't remember all the details. Um, do you have anything to do with snow removal down there in Park City? No, another department handled that as well. Copy. No, very cool. Um, gosh, Utah, California, Oregon. Um, we could go anywhere. Don't want to pick on Mark anymore. <laughs> hey, hey, Parker. Hey, Jay. Hey, I got Matt and Tim are sitting here, so I'm going to put them on the spot. Oh, do it. Uh, what's up, guys? How you doing? What's up, Matt? Sorry to be late to the party. Hi, Connor. Oh, it's all good, man. Hey, Tim. <laughs> yeah. We had a pretty successful year. Um, not much changed uh, because of COVID, but one thing that really helped is we had 11 of 12 guys come back this year, so our retention was uh, pretty high. Uh, wow. Uh, so no rookie – well, one rookie cat operator this year, one rookie hand crew guy because we kind of do like – snowmaking and grooming and hand crew they're all in the same sort of boat but uh one thing that really kind of led to a lot of our success is like snow sat so we've been using snow sat for uh, i've been here for four years and they had it when we got here but now we have it in all of our machines and it like really just kind of helps be so much more efficient and you know being able to put these guys like on trails like you know put a second year groomer on a trail on like one of our few powder nights of the year and you know him to be able to pump that out was awesome uh we had a super successful year i i think uh on cat damage we had uh you know wind up the rope one time on the winch but besides that you know everything was super successful and no big damages or anything but with our low snowfall as well uh the snow sad also helped us keep a great product out there, you know, like when you can realize that a section of the trail is getting to be about a foot and a half deep, you know, and you realize that there's six feet of snow a hundred yards in front of it, you know, you can really kind of, you know, jump on the problems before they get there. And, uh, we were super successful on keeping our trails nice and white this year, uh, you know, with only getting about 50% of our normal snowfall, and uh, I think a lot of that has to deal with uh, Snowsat. You know, it's just mm. it's the jam. Yeah, that's so. really cool. Yeah, we uh, like just speaking to like the COVID thing. Um, I think it, if I've been listening correctly, with grooming and things like that, nobody's seen many changes. What we found as an advantage is uh, it created an opportunity to like redo things differently. Uh, like uh, for us, like around our base area and learning areas, um, our goal was to create more space and we kind of have a crowded base area. So we were able to kind of work out like different areas that we could uh, actually like organize differently. And I've kind of noticed that across the board, like COVID gives you kind of an excuse to break that. We've been doing it that way for a long time. Yeah. Mentality. And so I think one of the positives to take away is just look around me like, what else can we chalk up to COVID? You know, like, yeah, oh, let's, we want to groom this slot over here, COVID, and we want to do this, COVID. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. How are you guys resetting for summer up there if you haven't already begun that? 
man, it's, it started pretty early for us. Uh, we stayed open an, a week later than our anticipated closing date. And it, it was the next day there was like no snow on the mountain. So uh, we were able to get right into summer operations. Um, we don't do any open to the public thing, so we can get right to maintenance. And uh, it's honestly been pretty nice. We go from what, like 300 people around here to like 12. So um, mm. we're just getting around, digging holes, fixing stuff. Um, but it's a pretty smooth life. transition. That's nice. Yeah, it was, it was more snow related um, and coinciding was this kind of lightening up on the COVID restrictions. But in the summer, that doesn't seem to apply too much to, to we're so spaced out. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. So it's kind of a deep breath of fresh air. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It felt like coming up from the deep end for sure this year. Uh, <laughs> It was also like a lot easier for us to handle all of our erosion control because there wasn't any distractions like super park or photo shoots or like everybody has to take six weeks off because of COVID. So like as soon as we closed, we were able to like plow out all of our roads and move all of our rails and kind of just really get into summer quicker, you know, with uh, no distractions, but those are good distractions. If you get what I'm saying, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I do want to, uh, kind of do like a Q and a, if you guys uh, want to do that amongst yourself, just anything that you would be interested in discussing topic related. I know that Connor and I have hit a bunch, but, um, I do want this to be kind of an open forum for you guys to hit up one another, inquire, reach out anything you want to discuss. I definitely uh, am curious about people with Snowset. Um, I know Tim, you were saying the Snowset made a huge difference for you, um, and I'm curious. Like, so do you guys have depth in all of your machines, or like, what what level of Snowset do you have, and in how many machines do you have it? So our fleet is five cats, one winch, three park pros, and one 400 park. Um, the 400 park just has, uh, it doesn't have the depth. It just kind of has like the general snow set, yeah. whatever. Uh, but like, you know, our four machines with the depth are awesome. You know, um, and the, the machine that doesn't have depth, one of the things like, I wish that I would have known how it was before we agreed to get it. Um, because one thing that is very important with the snow set is like, it lines you out on the trail. So you're not trying to like climb up, you know, two passes out from where you groomed yesterday, you know, Yeah. but with, with the one that doesn't have depth, it's not quite as accurate on your location. So it'll mm -hmm. tell you on the little screen that, yeah, you're on the edge of the trail, but you're, you know, two cats off and you're about to take Oh, that's out. interesting. Yeah, like yeah. coming from somebody who thought Snowset was kind of a gimmick, um, I, I started working here and uh, I kind of got thrown into the mix really quickly because a lot of groomers walked out when I started and I had to jump in and start winching a mountain I've never winched before. And I hopped in, hooked up the winch and was dropped in these trails and it shows the traces from the night before. And so I'd never even skied these trails and I was winching them and they're 
lots of dog legs and stuff. And I could see the width of the trail that they've been grooming, where the snow was. And like just the training piece of it to be able to take somebody who has no idea about the mountain and you can set your trails like your leads. That's very cool. Go out and like the depth becomes kind of a natural thing that you don't think too much about. It's very helpful. But I find on the daily grind of being able to see, oh, look, so-and-so widened this uh, a pass last night. Oh, I can go out that wide. And um, I forget the time range, but it starts to lose its color if you haven't groomed there for a while. So you can see, oh, nobody's been grooming out there. I'm going to go out that wide. And um, it, you kind of, the, the cats paint the map for you. So once your initial groom's done, you just keep using that and you can see, okay, I'm going to grow up one pass instead of just having somebody wander and not knowing where they're going. So that was a huge uh, plus for the snow set. But also, That's very Connor, cool. So, so what you said earlier, Connor, about like trying to set a, a goal for snowmaking and, and a timeline and, or a, a limit, you know, what, mm-hmm. what Matt and Tim were able to do when they're building the trails is, you know, they're able to use the depth in the, in the cat's, to really make sure that they have exactly what they need in the spots they need it. And it yeah. gives a total s- s- solid points as to, m- to make our snowmaking decisions. We're done here and we're done yeah. for, for yeah, the you entire can measure. year. Or, or we may have to come back here, but we probably won't. Like, in, in a, you know, all the things that you used to guess about or, you know, you have a lot more s- solid information behind your decisions, but also it allows them like, like Tim teaches the guys to like paint the trail blue, you know, and so to that everywhere on, on the trail is the same color. And, you know, as long as long stuff with similar exposure and stuff. And so it allows him to walk away and come back and, and double check, but also it gives them something to, to work towards, you know, it's like filling in the box or whatever. So <laughs> That's rad. I'm, I'm, I'm writing down your guys's points here so I can uh, pitch it to the boss, man. Cause that sounds super awesome. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, if I could chime in, cause we uh, got snow sat on yeah. our cats and we're, we've got one cat. It's it's got like the end cab snow sat and it's, I mean, it's, it's a game changer. Um, I mean, we had a situation where we're pushing out the pipe and we have dirt work in the pipe and we're, we lost track of where the dirt work was. And I was like, dude, where's the dirt like we need to cut this pipe we need to know where the dirt is and i was like oh wait i got military grade technology in front of my face (laughs) right now i'm gonna i'm gonna use that to my advantage so we went up and we found it we were like oh i'm in 14 feet i'm at four this i'm at 14 feet we're cutting a 13 foot pipe i'm at two feet i'm like oh that's where the dirt line is um so that's just you know the the end cab is 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 huge but um one thing that Tyrone and I want to use on it is it tracks everyone's hours. So when you clock, when you clock in, you get in the cat, you, you, you punch your name in, it tells you how many hours you've put in. We want to use pushing, tilling. Um, it gives you that detailed data. We want to use that data. It tells, tells you everything, what you're doing with the cat. We want to use that data as a training point. Like, okay, you, you're in the cat for a hundred hours. Now you can start moving rails. You're in the cat for 500 hours. Now you can start building oh, a cool. rail pad, you know, and like yeah. tracking people's hours and giving them an opportunity to be like, Hey, you know, yeah. I've been operating for this long. Can I do this project? 
okay, well let's, let's see where your, where your hours are at. And, and it gives, gives the operators that, that accountability to, you know, track what they're doing each night, fuel consumption, tiller speed. Um, it's bananas, man. It's, it's completely bananas. That is very cool. Yeah. I really like that, that training aspect of it. You know, I, I, I hadn't thought about that before, like how you can show someone exactly where the trail is super easily. And you can actually get an idea of how long people have been doing what they're doing, how much time they've spent with their tiller and everything. That's cool. Yeah. I think the big myth to snow set is it's like big brother watching cat operators and sure. I can right. log in and be like, Hey Tim, I, I think Cody was snoozing last night, but not one time have we used that to punish anybody, not once. And I'd say it's 80% for the operator. And what's weird is the sales pitch is like for management, you know, most yeah. of they're paying That's more the what I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but for the, the training piece, like we don't have one operator that's got more than four years of experience. And we had a great year. Dirt never came up. And like, I can't tell you exactly how each individual operator is using it, but they're using it because there's no dirt on our trails. Like they can see the thin spots and they grab some snow and sure. I'd be like, Hey, move a little more and do a little more here, but we don't have these, uh, especially on a year like this, like, they just know intuitively where to go. And so, yeah, there's, there's a huge piece to it. That's um, that's the data collection, which I'm still trying to figure out how to dive into all that data, but from the operator's perspective, especially when you start getting in more cats, um, you know, you think it's going to be your senior operator that gets the cat with snow set when really the rookie guy is going to benefit from it the most. And I also don't think it like hinders that ability, like, like when you're running a cat, like knowing where your grade is and knowing your trails, like, you know, old school, you still do. You still know that it just yeah. helps you. Like, to be honest, like, you know, you're getting thin because the snow gets weird or you accidentally hit dirt with your wing or something like that. You cover it up and do a good job and keep moving. Now you know where your grade is. But some of our trails, there's these pockets that are like six feet deep and you never even think about it. And uh, we can fish that stuff out in the springtime and really keep our trails looking good. That's very cool. Did um, I'm curious if anyone started out like with depth in just one machine or just two machines and like, can you use that machine and then like kind of have that use, use that as your measuring stick machine and then kind of like, does any of that info I mean, obviously it's not going to transfer directly onto the screen of the other cats or whatever, but like, is it useful to have it on just one and use just that one machine as your like depth sounder machine? Yeah, Connor. So when, when we started at Diamond Peak here about four years ago, there was a depth on in the winch cat and in one of the park pros and it was still super beneficial and it was like really good for me as like, uh, you know, the assistant manager, head groomer, whatever you want to call it, um, to be able to like take an operator to an area and be like, there is eight feet of snow right here. Start digging, you know, start pushing. Yeah, You can do it. And you can kind of exactly. like okay. line your guys out 
uh, on like areas that they can really, you know, dig into aggressively. Uh, but yeah. then again, it is better to be able to like see it live there on your own screen to realize that you just took that six feet of snow to two feet of snow, you know, but it, it's great to be able to line some guys out on projects like that. Yeah. That's exactly what I was wondering. Yeah. That's cool. It is, hey, it is the way, or like it, everybody starts out with one or maybe two the, we're very fortunate that we have a five cat fleet. So we're, we're, we're hopefully replacing a cat this year. And when we do, it'll have, full depth in it and it'll replace mm-hmm. that one level two system that we have. And then we'll have full depth, full screens and all of our machines. Some of you guys with big fleet probably never get to that point. Although it, it's amazing when every cat has it, it's, it's a total game changer. Super yeah. cool. I, I think I heard, uh, was that Tyrone trying to chime in there? Yeah, I was just, uh, trying to chime in about how using that thing as a tool when you only have one cat that has the uh snow sat in at the inboard and uh we were using it when we were building the pipe because it has elevation on it as well and that's how we were getting our decks level you know you could get in the floor you know put a blade mark in the floor get your elevation in the in the lower floor then get up on the deck pull up next to that blade mark and you could literally see if you were 13 feet, 13 foot six from that elevation that you marked down on the floor, you could measure that out. Then you could go to the other side of the deck and see it from there as well. And then be in the winch cacks, we didn't have it in our winch and then be grading your decks out, you know, in the middle of a storm and working off of those guides that you made with that uh, snow sat. And then the next thing you know, That's you cool. got laser level decks all the way up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just by looking at the elevation on the cat. I mean, it has so much stuff that's just underrated in it, you know? And, you know, the same thing when it goes back to the training thing, you know, we don't punish our guys that are in it, but we look at their data. And, you know, we had a rookie that was out all night one night and he freaking he was like, dude, something's wrong with the tiller. I can't get a fucking pass. You know, it's super hard out there. I don't know what the hell's going on. Well, it turns out, you know, halfway through the night, he must have moved his backpack and he hit reverse till. He didn't have enough knowledge or time to know that, you know, that thing was running in reverse and he might have just been trying to get the mountain done and he was just leaving a shitty pass everywhere where he went, where otherwise, you know, he would have just went to a mechanic and been like, hey, something's wrong with the tiller. Now they would have put it up on a lift or something, started looking at it. Yeah, and wasted their a bunch time, of time. Whereas we just went into the data and we looked and, it, you know, it just says right there in the data, he had it on reverse still. And we told him, we're like, hey, man, watch out with your backpack. <laughs> don't, yeah. don't be hitting the switch. But, uh, you know, things like cool. that, like little things like that. And there's so much of it that it's such a just helpful tool in so many ways. Yeah, and this presentation is brought to you by PB. <laughs> Disclaimer: Does anyone use use the Prenoth version here? No. Yeah, I think it's a Leica Geo Systems system that they're running. 
Um, no, Matt, I mean, Matt and Tim, I mean, I know you guys are no strangers to innovation and taking chances and risks and being creative. Um, I thought it was cool that you guys aren't afraid to put, um, rookie operators or less experienced individuals in the machine. I think that was a huge takeaway point for you, Connor, just having them deploy those people in those machines and saying, Hey, here's how I can line you out. Go paint the trail blue. Maybe don't draw shapes, but, uh, you know, stick to lines, yeah. move material. Yeah. Super cool. Awesome. We like uh, had to do that because there's no other option, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, we, th- those were the guys we had and they're the guys we invest in. And, you know, everybody would love to have like a fleet full of stud 10 year operators, but you know, yeah. we're just kind of building our program one step at a time. And, and you know, uh, snow has really helped speed that up, you know, uh, where I'm seeing like, a second year guy who's winching now and you know, he can, he can do that and get real technical. And I, it's weird. I think uh snowsat really gives these kind of younger operators a little bit more confidence because they know where to go. You know, they yeah. know where the lines are to stay in, you know? Yeah. yeah. So sick. That's awesome. That was definitely like with our, not even our like rookie operators, but like, you know, we had a couple of guys that were experienced operators, but new to crystal this year. And it's hard going somewhere new and just knowing where to go, especially if, you know, you get a new winch cat operator, but you expect to be able to just like go out, do his thing. You know, he doesn't know where to go. You might know how to run the machine really well, but it takes a long time to learn a new mountain, you know? So that's super cool. Uh, keeping on with the Q and a real quick, anybody else have any other topics they want to hit? I know we've hit snow set pretty hard. Those are some awesome takeaways. Connor, what do you got? I got a couple more things we can hit. Yeah. Um, another thing that you and I have talked about a little bit is just, um, recruiting new operators and, you know, like how to, find those guys. And like, you know, one thing I've been like thinking about experimenting with is like, sort of like, do I have like tryouts in the spring and like, you know, see, you know, the, the lifties who show the most interest, do I take them for rides? And like, you know, I I've taken some guys for rides, but like, do I want to actually like throw somebody in there and see how they do and like separate them out or like him should I be looking more for, you know, the, the farm boy in town who's, you know, been running a tractor his whole life already, you know, like, and just the challenges and that kind of thing. Like what, uh, what are people doing for finding that new talent? So one thing that we kind of got going on is like all of our groomers are also snowmakers, you know, in a situation like you, Connor, where you only got like one other guy out there making snow and, you know, you got probably 12 cats up there. Obviously you can't be like, yeah, they're going to work up through snowmaking because it doesn't work like that there. Yeah. But like our whole thing is like, you got to make snow to run the cat. you got to make snow to be hand crew. And, you know, we kind of, uh, work our way, guys will work their way from hand crew into the cat, but it all kind of starts with the core of snowmaking and like, uh, you know, 
we could kind of thin them out pretty quick. Like, Oh, if you can't handle making snow and driving snowmobiles and, you know, working at night, you probably ain't going to be a good groomer, you know? So like, that's something that really works for us is like, you know, the unity, uh, and, and people can kind of see the ladder that they want to climb, you know, instead of just, Oh yeah, I want to be a groomer. Okay. Show up December 1st and you're good. You know, like you gotta, you know, for us, like grooming starts at Halloween, even though you aren't going to be in a cat for two months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. That's, I mean, like that right there is exactly the, the course of events that I went through. I was, I was a snowmaker then I was a park crew guy. And then I got in a cat, you know, and, uh, I, I I do really like that. I wish we had uh, a more accessible snowmaking system for that reason here to be able to like, you know, put, put some more guys through it. But yeah, our, our snowmaking system is so automated that it takes so few people. And like, you know, the, the guys you do need to make snow, you kind of want someone who's experienced with troubleshooting, you know, automation and stuff, which isn't necessarily going to be the same guys, but yeah, that's a, that sounds like a really good system. I like that. Hey, Tim, do you guys have any, uh, part-time people up there grooming, running equipment for you guys or anybody for that matter? But uh, Tim, uh, what do you, you guys got any part-time folks? No, we got some part-time like lift operators and ski patrol, but as far as like our slope maintenance, everybody is uh full time from pretty much Halloween to Easter. It never works out on slope maintenance. I, I could chime in on the tryout thing. I, when I worked at Breckenridge was that we, we tried a tryout thing and it did not work. No. Trying, okay. You know, the springtime yeah. tryout, and, you know, how ski patrol at the end, they try out. Yeah. We, we tried that with, with day staff and it just, it backfired massively. Oh yeah. How, 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 how so like, uh, guys- well, <laughs> we, we, we found out real quick that you can't just have people come up, not actually working. They actually have to be employed because of workman's comp. Oh, just so, liability issues. Just liability was yeah. the biggest thing. So they were like, they were like, wait, what are you doing? Like, yeah, this guy's just following me around and saying if he wants to like work park crew, they're like, is he an employee? Or like, no, he's just Tom. You know, he just wants to work <laughs> park crew next year. So yeah, the, the tryout thing was definitely hard, you know. But I mean, the biggest thing, um, I would say as, as you know, as a park guy coming in, the biggest, the biggest thing is like the hardest, usually if you bring an operator in, just put and send them to the wolves and the train parks, which we, we had a rookie this year that that's all he did was train park grooming. You know, you know, I, I would like to build a program where they have to go through fleet 200 hours, 200 hours Tyrone says in fleet before they even get in the park, you know? Mm-hmm. So that, that's, I think that should be a standard really, you know, learning how to pick up your tiller properly and turn around properly, yeah. you know, is important. So, but yeah, we, we, we have the same problem. I mean, th- I think we all have the same problem hiring these people and then retaining them. Yep. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. Um, uh, Zach just mentioned that he was running some part-time people up there on his crew. Zach, can you speak to that and just the experience there too? 
Hey guys. Hi everyone. Uh, I'm Zach. I work over at Cascade Mountain in Wisconsin. Uh, this was my first year in charge of the grooming fleet and I took a chance on one of my uh, previous park workers. He was out for uh, out of college for the season and needed a job and had plenty of time. And um, I knew his work experience and he had worked with me building parks as a hand crew guy for plenty of years. So he kind of knew his way around cats and what they could do. But, um, you know, I spent a little bit of time with him for about a week. We spent the entire time grooming together and uh, let him go. And man, he was like a sponge, just like any of the guys you've had on your podcast, Parker. I just watched him absorb everything he could find. And like, he killed it for us this season. Like, he don't get me wrong. He had a couple of mishaps, but for the most part, like, he was excellent and uh, killed it for more than some of our full-timers. So I was extremely happy with wow. that. Wow. How many, uh, how many cool. hours is, was he working, do you think? Uh, we were probably pulling about 100 hours a week. That's pretty normal for anybody who's not full-time uh, as far as grooming goes this year. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And I had to ask the part-time question though, because of staffing sometimes can't be an issue. So if you can find part-time help and it works out, um, I know that ski resorts is not a one size fits all operation. So, um, it's really cool that you're making something jive over there and you've seen good results from it. Hell yeah. Yeah, man. Very cool. Um, any other thoughts there on, uh, just Q and a, whether it's, you know, how you're trying to recruit folks, whether you're running the part-time thing. Thanks Zach. I saw that Colin Hales just joined us. Welcome Colin. Colin, you missed it. We already, uh, did, uh, our big snow sat chat too late. You had a slideshow and everything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good boys. Nice. Yeah. Nothing but good things. Any other Q and a we'll keep it open for a bit for sure. Um, um, I'm kind of curious maybe um, if anyone else has any just kind of, uh, I don't know, like what is your training program look like for the brand new green operator? Um, like I I'm, I'm new to being the boss, you know, this is only my second season doing this and, you know, I kind of have like, you know, a loose structure where it's like, you know, this many hours just being a passenger riding with an experienced operator, then this many hours, you know, riding with an experienced operator with you. And then, and then maybe we'll, we'll start kicking you loose if everyone seems like you're doing good and everything. But uh, I'm just curious what kind of what other people do, if there's any other little tips and tricks and stuff like that. Yep. Well, one thing that I've learned, Connor, is it's great to be like overly honest with them. Like it's great to tell them how good of a job they're doing, but you got to tell them when they're sucking and what they're sucking at. And like you have to tell, you have to tell them from like the passenger seat, like you got to be in there with them and being like, Yo, yeah. dude, you're curling like whack, you know, like you're just lifting up your blade and it's going to be all bumpy, but you know, you, you gotta be blunt and tell them what they're doing wrong at the exact time they're doing it, you know, like, so it, it benefits a lot, like with them riding shotgun, but it also benefits even more of you riding shotgun with them, you know, yeah. like 
Yeah. Like, even little things like, yo, dude, you're gripping the joystick wrong. Your thumb isn't even on the curl button. How are you supposed to react, you know, if, if you your finger's not even in the right spot, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. like, like beating it into them, like, you know, dude, stop lifting your blade. Use your curl. And, and like, there's times that I'm with operators – and it's almost like I'm doing like play by play in a hockey game, you know, like, Oh, come on, curl, curl, open your wig, open your wig. And like, yeah, that's it. Beating that into their heads. And if you can do that, like kind of like uh, Tyrone was saying in like that first 200 hours for sure. Like you can't just teach a guy to run it and then like, Oh, well I'll get back to you in three weeks. Cause then they have three weeks worth of bad habits. You've got to like, you know, squash that shit from the beginning. Yeah, nip it in the bud. Yeah, yeah Tim, that's good. Tim, that's cool. Tim, just speaking to that data really quick. So how much seat time are you spending with uh, your team? Either is it every other day? Is it a certain number of hours during the week? Is it, like you said, that gap time is no good for anybody. But what does that data look like? How much seat time are you putting with your crew alongside them? And this year was a little bit different because like the COVID thing, it wasn't like buddy, buddy in a cat type situation, but over the past, like, you know, I I got guys riding in my cat probably three days, three out of the five days a week, you know, at different times. And I would say normally I'm in somebody else's cat at least uh, twice a week for probably four hours total. Like I'm not talking, but I'm super lucky because, you know, I had such good retention this year, you know, so it wasn't like I had to jump back in there with the rookies, but uh, you know, when, when I got a fresh, fresh guy, that's never ran it before, you know, he's normally riding with me for like at least four nights. And then I ride with him for probably at least three or four nights before I let him just go you know, and then it's kind of like a check and back, you know, I'll check back in a week. Um, my park operators, it's like completely different. Like we'll be doing things, uh, you know, you, where I might be in your cat for a half hour to kind of teach you how to pick the rail up or dig it out or something like that. Um, and, but with my general groomers, you know, it's, it's, it's a couple days of them riding shotgun and then a couple days of them having to deal with me in the passenger seat, you know, of, you know, eight to 10 hours of curl, 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 you know, <laughs> it's, it, 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 I imagine it probably is like almost annoying to them at the beginning, but it's so important for them to like, not have those bad habits from the, from the get go. Like, you know, if they can learn in the first you, you don't turn around in the middle of the trail, there's, there's certain spots that you turn around in, uh, you know, you work things from one way to the other. Uh, you know, if you can just set that guideline, like as soon as possible, then, then they have it, you know, and and then the rest is kind of up to them. Yeah, definitely a commitment of time for sure. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's huge. I mean, um, I was going to Tyrone, what do you think? What's that process look like down there for you? Training, holding people accountable, seat time with people. I know you mentioned throughout some hours there initially. Well, yeah, it's, uh, especially, you know, with the really green ones, like what Tim's saying, you like got to really get it in their head and, you know, we don't, you know, we don't have the opportunity to put these guys in mainline yet. So getting them to have their good habits, you know, these kids come in, 
and they think that, you know, they're a park operator. These kids want to go out day one and start pushing jumps and doing things like that. And I had to tell an operator this year and, and it rang true. And, and he, he actually, he actually thanked me for telling him this. And I literally told him, man, because he said he wants to do this. He wants to do that. He wants to do this. When are you going to give me the opportunity? And I said, well, I'm giving you these projects here so that you'll learn. And I said, Hey man, have you ever seen karate kid? And he's like, what the original? And I was like, yeah, the original. He's like, no. I said, go home, watch karate kid. And then he came back, he said he watched it. And I said, check it out. I'm I'm showing you how to sand the floor. I'm showing you how to wax on, wax off. I'm showing you how to freaking paint the fence. In the next year, you're going to be sweeping legs and punching people and freaking doing all that, which would be the metaphor for actually getting in the park. But if you don't learn those good habits right out of the door and then have the good attitude, like trust in your manager that is giving you these projects, knowing in those projects, what he's going to be coming up against as helping him out in the future down the line. You know, if you can develop that in those kids' heads, because like I said, dude, a lot of these kids are hard headed and they don't want to learn the right way. And they mm. just want to get after it, dude. But when you get that one kid, you know, and they understand that you're giving them these projects, not as a like, hey, you're just going to do this so that we don't have to do it type thing. No, you're going to do this because you're going to learn. And the next thing you know, you're going to be out there actually building. You're going to be like, oh, I get it now. I see why he had me do that that way. And a lot of the big thing is run management. You know what I mean? You get these kids that come in and want to build parks. They have no idea about run management or like what Tim said, or where to turn around or any of that stuff or track speed or tiller speed or depth or all that, you know, but you give them these small projects throughout the year, building them up. And then the next thing you know, when you do get them out there building, they're kicking ass. Yeah. That's solid awesome. foundation. Yeah. That was a hell of an analogy, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> You know, um, actually, I, I don't know if you remember Tyrone, but uh, I learned to wax on, wax off from you a little bit at North Star uh, back in the day. There, I don't know if you oh, remember no that. <laughs> I was looking at you, and I was just sitting here with Brian Callahan. I was like, I know that guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. I was like, what Small man? World. Good. I was like, we hung out before, so hey, man, good to talk to you again, brother. Yeah. Yeah, we had That's some awesome. good times in the trailer back there. I yeah, that we place. did. Dude. <laughs> nice. Good old North Star. Hell yeah, I knew I knew you. Thanks for clarifying that, dude. It was yeah. killing me over here, dude. I swear to God, it was killing me. That's badass. There's some no. fellow hockey players on here, Parker. That's super cool to hear. Shout out to Matt up there in Alaska as well. Word. Sick. Matt is hanging out in Alaska up there. Um, Matt, you there? Got any Q&A? Any uh, any interest in chiming in? It's okay if you don't want to. Yeah, he's one of the hockey players as well. Uh, great individual. Been up there for 20-plus years making it happen. Yeah, let's see. Am I on this? Yeah. Oh, you're live. Yes, there you are. Sweet. All right. Got it. <laughs> cool. Yeah, no, been, uh, we had a great season. ton of snow. We're, we're actually trying to figure out how to transition to bike park now with a ton of snow. So we got, we're stripping trails and trying to make that happen. Diverting water, all that fun stuff. It's like 70 degrees and it's going fast. Ooh, Ooh dude. Yeah. That's, I was going to ask too, with all that snow resetting for summer with you has got to be fun. Yeah. And we're, we're lucky. We have a lower mountain lift. We run for the bike park. So we get that one going first and just kind of this year, we're just going to chase the snow up. 
What was the total you guys ended up with, Matt, this season? You were in the 700? You know, it was in the 700-something range, but it was – A lot uh, to manage. Yeah, it was It was good because yeah. it was – you know, a lot of times we get a ton of snow on the top. We got, like, a weird fact where we usually – there's, like, a 400-inch discrepancy and, like, 100 vertical feet on this hill. So it'll be nuking up top and pouring rain down low. So that's kind of challenging. But this year we had a killer snowmaking season, and then uh, it was cold. So basically every flake that fell, every – grain of snow that we put on the ground stuck around so it was pretty pretty epic we actually finished operations last weekend and we could still be uh we could still be running yeah i was gonna say with that much snow you could definitely still be running what are you guys doing for a snowmaking system up there are you fully automated or what are you running no we're we have mostly semi-auto polecats we got one one tower fully auto um super polecat but we got 24 um, semi-auto polecats, a bunch of, you know, weird relics of air waters and then some uh, stick guns. But we'd like to dabble more into the fully auto. It's just a, you know, tough sell for people to put the money forth. Uh, yeah, uh, some HKDs at North Star. Um, we got a few Vikings, the SMI ones kicking around, but uh, those are probably going away soon. Um, I like the six uh they they're not good here um they're great where it's cold but um you know if it's not 25 or 20 degrees you know uh it's a little tough yeah for sure what's that what's that time range for you connor you get what a couple two four weeks a year give or take um it's 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 hard to say i mean this year it was so spread out you know like you know we had single digits in November for a while and then like nothing till, you know, like, or just super marginal, like barely anything temps until like February, I want to say. And then, you know, we, we had a couple more weeks of, you know, decent temps of teens and twenties, but it's so, it's so varied here. I'm still trying to figure out, the best way to do it here just because it can it's so so marginal you know we're right on the edge you know like you don't have to drive far down the hill for it to be raining here a lot of the times you guys have uh matt again you guys have uh high humidity oh yeah yeah definitely almost always 100 percent humidity like wet bulb is almost irrelevant, you know, 90% of the time here. That's a, that's exact same here. We don't even yeah. do, we, we do, we don't. Yeah. We're, I just say, look at the thermometer. That's what, that's what it is. Yeah. 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 And it's crazy for me, you know, just to think that you boys in North star, you know, I've been there where it's just the white strips going down the run, you know, up to what you're dealing with Matt, where you're half the mountains raining and half the mountains nuking, like just that little bit of transition there on the West coast. Like you guys deal with all of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, totally. Hey, Colin, I got to ask, man, how was your season? How was your season? Was it good? You know, we're super busy and I got to apologize. I'm late, you know, just traveling um, right now, but we had a, a great season here in the Pacific Northwest. The snow came pretty hard. Uh, most customers got some really good, really good snow depth. So um, no complaints here. The COVID thing definitely put a, put a curveball, but I think 
you can see it actually highlighted a lot of the strengths in the Northwest where there's a lot of people that kind of persevered, you know, Timberline as an example last season kind of initiated and went through that whole pandemic scene and it was a record season for them last year. So, um, up there today, again, it was just amazing. The parking lots full top to bottom people just showing up. So they're coming out, coming out of the house. It's going good. Beautiful day up there today too. It is. Sure. It's it's beautiful. Beautiful compared to yesterday. It was a complete whiteout. Couldn't even see your blade. It was awful. <laughs> so, yeah, all good, man. It's good to see you guys, uh, Tim. You show up here under Jay Red, so maybe he's in the background there somewhere. Make sure to tell him <laughs> I said hi. Yeah, he's there. Is he? Yeah, see, it's me, uh, Matt, and Jay all here. So we're just all like, three of you. The trio. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Cool. How, how did uh, things go for you guys that with the pandemic, the snowmaking, the customers, the season went okay. Yeah. Uh, I'd give it an a plus. A plus. That a boy. Nice. Matt still hanging, huh? Making Jay look bad. Matt lost his keys on the road today and I found them. How do you lose keys that I clipped to your belt? Ask him. You know. <laughs> that's a, so that's a heavy keychain. That's why it's got a lot of keys on it. Yeah. The best is when uh, Matt lost his chain wallet at Super Park, and I think Jay found it in a curl of blade, uh, like you know, of push. I thought that's what the chain was for. Yeah. Oh boy. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Um, yeah. I, I, what, what else, Colin, what do you got? I was going to say, you can take it and run with it or has anybody else got any Q and a, we can keep this. You thing know, going. I'm really sorry. We came in late, but, uh, just everybody, it sounds like most of the guys are on the West coast. They're top to bottom. So it's, it's just really rad to see everybody that, that persevered through the, the shitty season that we were dealt. And I think we all came up above a little bit stronger. Um, you know, mother nature is what it is. And it's cool to see what you guys do down South with the snowmaking. We get the wet bulb and the shit soup every once in a while, but Connor and those guys, they do amazing job with what they're dealt. So it's kind of, we snow farm from the top down, I guess up here where it's, where it's shitty, but you guys do a phenomenal job down there. So, um, it's just rad to see everybody together and, you know, persevering through it. So stoked to see what comes up from next season for sure. Awesome. Connor, you got anything else? I guess the only, the, the only other thing I haven't really touched on is just like mechanical issues and things like that. But, um, usually I, I don't know, it was fairly, fairly standard operations. We, we broke lots of stuff, but we fixed lots of stuff too. You know, what's the key to that Parker when it comes to mechanical stuff? right if you're in the snowcat world it's an expensive hobby that's for sure yeah it is i really liked um tyrone's takeaway there uh with being able to brian's being able to implement a teaching piece where you can say hey we're not going to inconvenience the mechanics with a little thing we're going to make sure that the mechanics are definitely focusing on the machines that are having major issues and we'll fix these we'll use it as a teaching piece and we'll move on with life keep machines going what is it going yeah. i think i think the only bad snow cat is the snow cat that's not running is that right that could be yeah and i'll tell you what like the value from 
operators that have no problem getting their hands dirty. Like there's a, there's a little bit of appreciation there when they know what it takes to do track work or to change a hydraulic cylinder, or, you know what I mean? On the guys in the shop, the, the appreciation that comes, I think to help mend that gap between the shop and the guys out in the cats, that's huge. Um, and yeah. I think you phrased it just right. Parker is just like address the stuff that you, you're capable to do and use it as a learning piece. You know, if it is changing a hydraulic cylinder or whatever, um, cause those dudes in the shop are way steep and whatever else is going on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, definitely not promoting step on people's toes, but communicate. Um, and if you can use it as a teaching lesson, do it, man, for sure. That's yeah. a huge takeaway. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we hit the COVID thing pretty hard just with people's experiences there and COVID keepers, what you've implemented, uh, that worked and what you're keeping around. Um, Jay, Matt and Tim, I think it's awesome that you guys were already on the digital message board. Um, I've used something like that in the past. That's really nice too. Um, I think it's really cool that you guys were already on that train. So there was no hiccup whatsoever there. Um, I thought that was really cool. Fantastic takeaway. Colin, everybody was all about Snowsat. Um, it's, you know, I, th I thought Tyrone's example was great where you've got one machine that has it, maybe another that doesn't, and they're using one machine to mark what you got for elevation or grade, and then you can yeah. roll with the machine you want to push with. Um, yeah. So there were a lot of resources that were discussed there too. Depth, just how awesome it is to be able to train somebody in a machine with it too. Um, we touched a little bit on the snowmaking stuff. Um, I thought Mark's insight from what it was to, to be impacted by just people vacating their area and relocating to the area that you're in, creating a housing crisis. Um, that's something just, you know, I don't think yeah. anybody really expected. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and of course, like Jay, you guys down there, Diamond Peak, they, they use that technology piece pretty heavy and it's useful for efficiencies. I think another piece you touched on it a little bit is the training. A lot of the guys that have the patience, you know, Jay, you were a great example to me is just showing like, take the patient. This is how you do this. You know what I mean? And for the younger guys to learn that from somebody that's actually got the patience instead of, you know, walking away from a machine that, you know, they're all uptight and I'll go do it myself kind of mentality. So it was cool to, to hear you guys talking about that piece as well. That's a big, that's a big portion. And just the simple stuff too, like on the training aspect, the stuff you can do online now. And you know, how long did it take us all to learn what what's a push frame, what's a cutter bar, what's a you know, a sprocket or a or a tire guide. You know, there's a lot of those simple things now. These kids can get really fast, get that knowledge that took us years to to acquire. So the training, the digital aspect, I think is super important. And COVID really showed that this year, use, utilizing that, the more digital side for sure. Yeah, I agree. I think it did for sure. Not being afraid of it, being able to just communicate wherever you can, train people however you can. Yeah, I, I'll chime in for a sec, Parker. It, it is cool for, for me to, to watch how, um, what, what Matt and Tim set up with SharePoint and how, how it's become adopted by, by the other departments and stuff and, and to see the, um, how much everybody appreciates the communication, the back and forth and stuff. And it, it, it gets rid of, like we touched on earlier at the beginning, Colin, before you were on it, it, it eliminates the finger pointing and down yeah. and it just, it goes down to a conversation. And, and like I said, when, 
it, it's so helpful. Matt's got himself trained now that when he has the conversation with somebody and somebody asks for something, he always ends the conversation with make sure you put it on SharePoint. And even though, you yeah. Yeah. And it, it makes it so much smoother from my perspective as the ops manager watching these guys work, they don't, I, you know, they, it, it gets handled and, and they handle it themselves and stuff. I don't need to come, come through and, and smooth over relationships or interactions between them and other departments. And, and it, it, it all is, oh, it, everything's always bumpy, but it's a lot smaller bumps and a lot smaller things that they're able to smooth out and, and work out together. And it, it's a cool team environment because everybody can see everybody's communications, you know, it's yeah, not perfect, awesome. but, it, but it's, it's getting there and it's really cool to be a part of. That's Ron. Yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. Just from an accountability point of view and then a growth point of view, maybe too, being able to deal with that confrontation that way. Yeah. I haven't used SharePoint, so I'll have to, I'll have to check that out. Hey, just so everybody's aware, SharePoint was kind of like a band aid. Um, to fill in a gap that I just didn't think existed in our industry of being able to make a generic form and save it in one spot. And so I know there's a lot of systems out there, but um, being able to like, for example, our mechanic, we got a new mechanic this year and he's like, Hey, we don't have any snowmobile checkout logs. I'm like, all right, give me the afternoon. And I'd make a snowmobile checkout, put it on SharePoint. Now there's a new form. And we have people fill that out. And so um, it, it, the the one is SharePoint online. You really have to learn how to use it. And I don't know if I'm using it for what SharePoint's intended, but it, mm. it's meant to bring offices together, but it's the most like you, you just make forms and fill them out. Um, if somebody's a computer whiz and wants to make something proper for like, you know, mountain operations, that's as easy to use. Um, that's kind of what I'm looking for, but uh, SharePoint's, I, I mean, I've been using it for years with the intent of getting away from it, but it just keeps developing into something that does the job. And realistically, like a soggy coffee stain cat checkout notebook in the cat that nobody fills out. <laughs> better than that. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how we did it in the past and that transition into that digital age for sure is super important. I think you touched on it, Parker, with the accountability, like, you know, we have these big expensive machines that these guys are going in and out of. It's cool to have a pre and a post-op check and, and hold them accountable. Like, this is what you said. You did, you did check that, you know what I mean? Um, and then having that communication relayed to a position like Jay or the shop manager or whoever, just to be all in that same communication as super key, super key. One, one, one thing I'll say, and, and Colin, this is something, you know, like Snowsat is is working towards communicating better, right? But mm-hmm. everything, you guys produce snowcats. And right. I don't talk about snowcats all day long, every day, even with it's my soaps manager, right? So yeah, we need to be able to communicate with the rest of the resort and everything. And we... we we're communicating about things we're doing with snowcats and we're using our snow sat to talk to our, our ATAS on our, our guns and measure our snow depth and, and mm-hmm. beverages requesting cage runs through the upper mountain 
restaurant and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. the, the tools, it's, uh, to put you on the spot a little bit, Colin, the, the tools fun. you're developing or that some of the other manufacturers are developing in, in snowmaking or or fleet maintenance or, or whatever, everybody's so focused on what they produce. And that's where what, what Matt touched on, Microsoft SharePoint, was a band-aid for us, but it keeps becoming the most relevant tool because it's it's not focused on one part of the story. Yeah, all it's of, multiple. Manufacturers, like, I, I can't stress enough. I don't look at Snowsat unless I need to. Uh-huh. You know, these guys use it in the cat, but like all, all, the, all the crap on it is all really great information when yeah. I need it, but I don't yeah. need it 90% of the time. I need the communication piece with things with other departments and, and other things that have nothing to do with snow cats. Yeah. It, it, other than that, the cat is part of what, what is, how it's going to be facilitated, but you know, and that, that, that's something that we're hoping you guys and some of the other product manufacturers get on board with is, is sort of stepping outside of the, the uh, binoculars focused on only snow cats, mm-hmm. like, you know, even um, like for, for us, the fleet management side and stuff, it's really cool stuff, but our, our fleet is a lot more than snow cats. And, and it's a lot, the snow cats is the smallest part of our fleet. We have mm-hmm. more cats. Mm-hmm. We, we have more summer vehicles than we do snow cats on our yeah. own by the town. And the town has a lot more things than snow cats. And so, right. Right. So, we're, we're not, um, we're not the prime customer for, for that side of it. And I realize it, it, you know, but the communication is the thing that we all need the most. That's it. Yeah. So if we can bridge that gap and make it not snowcat focused. That I'm really glad you brought that up, Jay, because we've been in some meetings, you know, where there's, you know, speaking of software developers, I'm pretty sure we hired 20 or 40 of them in Germany. There's a whole other building correlated just to this digitalization but you know there was a point there in some of the some of the meetings or they're like you know yeah the ski resorts they can they can break through how many cheeseburgers you're selling or the you know f and b and this and that and we're like whoa like hold on time out like this is our aspect of the business um but i but I think there's a fine balance there between, you know, yeah, maybe we don't want to count cheeseburgers or when the stove or the oven's down, but I'm super interested in is that snowmobile working or not, or who worked on it last, uh, whatever brand it is, machine, uh, a John Deere, a, a loader and those kinds of things. So that's where we came out with quote unquote, what we call the maintain portion of snow sat and so that way you have the ability you can put in you know your fire extinguishers to come up annually that it needs to be inspected or you know add other things or equipment um that really works with the organization you know not necessarily going in to the f and b side more on the operation side or equipment i guess would be the quote unquote the equipment side uh, piece so we can add trucks and all those things and then set the service intervals or if it's broken you can you know, down it, it's a part of the application. So you can have whether the machine's up or down or the truck's up or down and everybody has that. It's always up to date in their pocket. What I find we're running into is a lot of these resorts, you know, we're asking our employees to use their cell phone to download this app that's work correlated. And a lot of these 
employees are like, go oh, screw that. Like you guys don't pay for my cell phone. You know what I mean? And so we have this piece that can kind of bridge that gap between the loader and the trucks and the snowmobiles and the operators and the shop manager and the operations manager through an application. But then on the other hand, like, are these all cell phones supplied by the company? <laughs> Question mark. No. So it, it, uh, depending on the resort, you know, some guys are easy with it, but to kind of answer your question, Jay, that, it's a great point. And we're working on the mechanical side of, of the shops and what breathes out of a shop on a routine everyday basis. So your whiteboard or your chalkboard can go away, your Excel spreadsheets can go away. Or if you do need those Excel spreadsheets, you know, we can populate whatever that fleet is that, you know, you click that button and it exported that way. So I think we're getting there, but I, I'm really glad that you brought that piece up. So if you guys have any ideas or feedback from that correlation, I'm not sure, Jay, if you guys have worked yet with the fleet maintained site yet, but if you've already got an existing. We, we have, and, and what, what it is right now is not suitable for what we need. And that's more because we're owned by the town and we have so many other vehicles outside of snowcats. And that's sort of what I was yeah. getting at. And I realize it's sort of a large ask, but like to, to work it backwards from the way that you're doing it right now, you, you guys are developing a, a snowcat based system and you're trying to plug other things into something for snowcats. Mm -hmm. and, and if you could step back and look at it from the other way where SharePoint was designed as a, as in everything system. So if communication platform, you know what you need on, on the snowcat world, if you could look at it, a communication bridge that'll work for a bunch of other things and then try to fit snowcats into that, maybe mm -hmm. it would be a different perspective that would be more relevant to, to the needs of customers like us. And, and I, we have a unique set of circumstances that maybe some, some of you guys can relate to and not everybody, but um, that, that, that's, that's what we need. Cause even our shop mechanic, you know, we we only have one mechanic here we're again it's fortunate we're a small place he's a really good guy but um when i talk to my mechanic i don't talk to him about snowcats all day every day i talk to him about snowmobiles and and rangers and and all that other stuff and and mm -hmm. yes we talk about snowcats and stuff but but whether it's maintain or whatever it's geared towards the shops that and there are shops that that are overwhelmed with snowcats it's all they talk about all day long and stuff like mm -hmm. and i love snowcats to death but that's not what i talk about all well, day i think it's more the the communication part it's it's so mechanical and, and i'm not just talking maintain like a, a lot of services they're so matter of fact and mechanical mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i don't need my rookie operator filling out a work order i just need him to be able to communicate to a mechanic and I need that to be easy and smooth. Smooth, yeah. And that's what, and accessible. And so like, you know, I, and I know this is all things before, but like Snowsat, like they can use that same screen to fill out their work log. Um, mm -hmm. It's about consistency. It's about, even if you've got a binder with paper logs, how do you get your operators to fill them out every night? How do you yeah. communicate with their mechanics and communicate with other operators and like, I think people get so locked into their world, whether it be snowmaking or grooming or whatever, they kind of overcomplicate it because they know that stuff so well. And really, we're talking simple communication, human to human uh, contact of, of communication that gets left out. And it seems really mm -hmm. cool. 
you bring up, you bring up a good point, Matt. That's it's like that going that transition from the paper. Somebody mentioned the coffee stain and where that log or that service order is to the, just the simple, like person to person communication versus like the only thing you stare at is your phone, right. And an application and communicate that way. It's trying to find that happy median. It sounds like you guys found a really good one there with that SharePoint. Well, it, it, again, it, it's not perfect in any way. And it, it just works right now for what we're trying to do. But mm-hmm. the, the optimum thing, like you, you touched on too, we, we as a government entity can't ask employees to use their personal devices for work. So I can't have them have maintain as an app on their phone and use it. Yeah. Yeah. We're not, we're not allowed to do that. Maybe that'll change in the future, but, but the basic point, you know, and the, you and I have talked about this kind of stuff before Colin is, is there's a screen in the cat. Why can't a guy do his checkout on the screen in the cat? Mm-hmm. If, if, you know, maybe not, even if it's not every cat is ready for that. But when I have, when I have full snow set in each one of my cats and I'm paying, going to that expense and stuff like, yeah, there could be a way to interact for the operator to interact with that kind of stuff on the cat have it built into the machine yeah, itself and then like record I mean, a data log tutorial videos and stuff. It, it, it shouldn't be, what does this button do? It should be like click on the tutorial screen and, and watch, watch the joystick video for five minutes or whatever. But Right. We've talked about that. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a great idea. Have it all built into the machine itself for sure. It's definitely something I'll push from my end and see, you know, if we can get to that point, it just simplifies all of that, right? If you could do a pre and a post top from the machine screen, check in, you know, we're getting closer with the RFID keys that correlates, or if you've got the V3, it correlates to the operator. There just needs to be one more step of like doing a pre and a post op that's recorded. For sure. Yeah. Good super info, cool inquiries. Yeah, yeah. Super cool yeah. inquiries. I, I think, you know, Jay, you're hitting the nail on the head there. Um, Matt too, just something that's more ergonomic for everything and not some, so much just one way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool. Good info, Jay. Good to hear from you, brother. Yeah. Anybody else? Any more Q and a, I know we've been at it a while. Um, we can keep punching Colin too, if we need to. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Well, Connor, cool. you guys, you guys done up there wrapping it up? No, we're uh, unwrapping it. We're unwrapping uh, it. I'm about to go uh, get in a winch and uh, start start covering up dirt for the weekend for some skiing. Wow. Yeah. That's how we roll in the Northwest. Just can't hang up the hat, huh? Drag mm-hmm. it to September if we need to. Yeah, it's We're looking bastards. pretty good out there. So, yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is good, actually. Yeah. Yeah. That a boy. Good work. Yeah. So I think we'll wrap it up. And I just want to say thanks for everybody that is here, tuned in, contributing, and listening. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for uh, all your pointers for uh, us rookie managers. Uh, we got some good stuff out of this for sure. Yeah, you guys do a good job. Keep up the good work. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks everybody so much for being a part of this. Rad boys. Take care. Chat soon. Well, that was awesome. 
And we're not going to do a chairlift thought this time. This has gone on plenty long enough. Uh, but really, really great conversation on all topics there. Uh, yeah, thank you so much to everybody involved in that. Definitely go listen to the Blade Dive podcast with Parker Bohan to really get in depth with what this snowcat life is like. Remember, if you work at a ski area in the Northwest, you can be part of this. Email podcast at pnsaa.org or text 877-533-5520. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so the next one pops up on your feed. Give us some ratings, tell a friend, and we'll see you next time on the mountain. Word. Sick. I'm Goggy Foggle. <laughs>